0: First of all, I am not Pastor Mark, Um, and so when you get asked to come and and share God's Word, um, you kind of wait to just see what God lays on your heart. And um, you've heard the term traveling pastor. Well, just a few weeks ago, I was actually in northern Minnesota, and I was able to preach to the church that we attend up there. And so my wife said, well, just give the same sermon. That was really good. And I said, well, if that's what the Lord tells me to do, I will. He didn't. And so um, I gave you all fair warning when I came up to announce that Pastor Nolan was coming. You know, he saw this. He had an opportunity to leave. You stayed, so that's your own fault. But um, here we go. We're going to start and look at a passage in Romans. It will be in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says this. All right, there we go. I am reading from the NIV. Don't tell Pastor Mark, um, but that'll be our secret, okay? It says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, I stand before this congregation this morning ready to preach your word. Lord, just allow them to hear your words, not mine. Lord, I pray for each individual heart as it sits in, in the chairs, that it hears what it needs to hear, to be challenged, to be motivated, to be encouraged. Lord, we just ask for your spirit to fill this place in this moment, in this time, and in your way. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. Recently, another person and I, uh, who will remain nameless, because if I mention this individual's name in a sermon, it costs me $50. So I I have to be really careful here about how I progress through this because I don't want to lose any money. We went to a baseball game this summer. And while at this baseball game, there was an individual who was there that didn't take us very long to notice he was a little different, a little odd, you might say. Um, I got a picture of him here, actually. Let me show that for you if I can figure this out here. There he is, this guy. He's super fan, right? Self-proclaimed, says it right on his shirt. And his job was, you guessed it, to kind of keep the audience engaged in the baseball game. I'm not sure if many of you are baseball fans or not, but sometimes they can be a little bit boring. And so it was his job to kind of engage the fans, keep them motivated, keep them engaged. And sometimes that's hard to do. But in his case, he was the super fan. And he was bold with it, right? I mean, you look at him. Not too many of us would be willing to dress like this in public, right? So when you're out front and you are that super fan, um, which according by Webster's online dictionary says this, a super fan is an extremely dedicated or enthusiastic fan, right? So here's that. Picture of that right next to that definition. Here's the super fan. Well, it's getting a little warm, isn't it? I got to take a look at that. That's better. Okay, all right. Well, most of us in this room this morning would say that we are a fan of something, right? Most of us would say maybe football, baseball, basketball. Um, I'm, a few there, I'm sure there's a few NASCAR fans. Yeah, I don't want to miss those. Um, I probably would be remiss to think that there might even be a few of you that would admit to raising your hands to being golf or maybe bowling. Uh, maybe a wrestling fan back there. I, you know, those, those guys are out there as well. But there's also fans of movies and books and restaurants. There's fans of almost anything. And there's different types. There's our super fan up here that's just bold. He's out there. His face is all over it. There's no denying who super fan is. He is there. But there's also fans that kind of get to be behind the scenes a little bit. They're more in anonymity, right? They just, they're anonymous. They don't, you don't know who they are. So you've got fans like this guy. He gets to hide behind a mask. Still, just as much in support of the team. But nobody knows who it is. This might get me in a little bit of trouble, but we'll see. Did you see that one coming? <laughs> now, I didn't, I didn't use a name, so it shouldn't cost me $50, but even if it does, I think it's worth it, don't you? Okay. I also got to live out my childhood dream of being a team mascot for a little bit. Um, if you've never had an opportunity to do this... I, I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) Hot, stinky, smelly baseball, middle of July, August. But it was fun because you got to go out and you got to do crazy things and nobody knew who you were. It was just a blast. Well, the story of how we got to do that is for another time. And if you're interested in that, hit me up. We'd love to share it. Still a little warm in here. Excuse me. (laughs) Ah, Much better, much better. All right. Let's get to the word, all right? Okay, here we go. Well, in our passage this morning, we see Paul addressing a church in Rome. And as Pastor Carlos mentioned last week, any text without context is just pretext, so we need to back up the bus just a little bit and kind of see what's going on in our passage. And so, first off, let's start with Paul, the author of the passage. And so, Paul here, back in verse 1, if we flip back just a page in my Bible, it might be just across the page, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And so, who is Paul? Well, Paul was set apart. And you can actually flip back all the way back to the book of Acts in chapter 9, and you can read about Paul's calling. Not going to dig into that a whole lot today, but most of us have probably heard that story of, of him having God speak directly to him, and Paul, who was Saul at the time, having a major life. Change at that very moment, right, in fact, up to that point, Saul, who was changed, had his name changed to Paul, was out persecuting the early church. If the early church would hear the name Saul, they would be shaking in their sandals because they knew that it was not good. In fact, you would say at the moment in time that Saul who became Paul, was probably the number one super fan of the opposing team of the church at that time. He was out giving approval of persecuting the church, throwing people into jail, and yes, even to the point of killing them. So at that moment of time, when he received his calling, it was a big deal. This was not just a minor change in his life. It was a significant calling. So, being called and set apart for God's purpose is something that some of us have had. Some of us have had a major conversion, like Saul to Paul. Some of us, maybe not so much. Some of us, maybe, have grown up in a church and it maybe has not been quite as marked of a difference. But either way, the power of the gospel has been displayed through that conversion. We see in the next several verses of the first passage here, the chapter of Romans, in the fact of Romans 2 through 5, that this gospel that Paul is preaching was not a new gospel, but it's one that had been prophesied about and related directly to Jesus Christ. Paul laid out the gospel in these verses about as plainly as he possibly could. And so you see this, and it makes sense to us. Paul received, he gets his calling, he begins to preach the gospel. He's no longer on the opposing team. He's now on the good guy team, right? And we would think that that's pretty easy to do. But think back a little bit. Paul, prior to his conversion, was the number one super fan for the Jews, the Pharisees. He was out there doing all of these things. He knew that this group that he was just the superfan for had crucified Christ and was doing all of the things that he was just doing before his conversion towards the new church. So being bold enough to take the message and to declare it not only to the Jews but then take it even further to the Gentiles, wow. Here is a Jew of Jews on the fast track to being the number one Pharisee. He gets his calling, and he is bold enough to take the message and take it to a group of people that as a Jew, he should never have even wanted to associate with. Wow, he's taking a very bold risk. Of coming to the Gentiles. It goes against his very nature, his very upbringing. Everything that he's done previous to this point, he's willing to put it all on the line. Wow. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, God, for using Paul in that way. In verses 8 through 15, we see Paul has a special place in his heart for the Roman believers, and he's thankful for their news of their faith that is spreading throughout the world. You see, the Romans have kind of been putting on a little bit of their Jesus, Team Jesus shirts, right? The world is starting to hear of their faith. They're starting to see what's going on in Rome. They're starting to hear of the transition of that. Well, you have to realize Rome wouldn't be a place that most people would expect to see the gospel having an impact. Rome, at this point in time, was kind of the hub of everything. And it was not a place where Jewish or even Christianity had a foothold at that moment in time. So this church coming in and beginning to take root was something special, something different. Up to this point, Paul has wanted to come to the Roman church, but he hasn't been able to. And according to this, he's kind of on his way. And so that brings us to our section of Scripture this morning. As we look at the first portion, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So why does Paul start out with this not being ashamed? Well, like I mentioned before, he knows the risk that he's taking by boldly proclaiming this. He's basically putting himself on the Jewish leader's number one hit list by proclaiming the gospel message. He could hide behind anything possible. He could have said, no, I don't want to do this. No, I can't do this. But instead, if you look back in Acts 9 in his conversion, he didn't go out and start just preaching right away. He actually took some time. And he really studied and he really learned and he got some he reached out to some of the other apostles at the time. He got approval from them. Then he began to preach the message. So he knew the seriousness of the message that he was going to take to the Gentiles. He knew the power of this gospel. He knew what it meant to take this risk. It could mean death. It could mean persecution. It could mean a total separation from everything that he knew and loved, but he was willing to go there. To stand up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, shows that Paul is ready for whatever comes his way. He is ready to stand up, represent the gospel of Jesus Christ to any and all who would listen. Well, how can Paul have this boldness? Well, it comes in the second part of verse 16 where it says, It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He knew that the power of the gospel was not in him. He knew that the power of the gospel was in God. He knew that if the power was in him and it was just him preaching, It would just be useless talk. So he knew and he could be so bold to speak it because it was the power of God. That brings us to our first point this morning. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel because it is not man. It is not ourselves that brings salvation, but it is God's power. That brings salvation. So many of us are afraid. To share the gospel. So many of us are hesitant. Maybe a little bit bashful. Because we're afraid of what other people might think. To be quite honest. Maybe we're a little afraid that we might. um, Embarrass ourselves. But yet. That's why we're thinking it's us, right? We get caught into that us thinking. Yes, we're a vessel that the gospel message can come through, but we don't have the power to save. It's God's power. That gospel message is God's power. So how can we also be so bold? How can we not be ashamed of the gospel? Well... In verse 17, in that second half, we see the answer. The righteous will live by faith. Faith is what we can lean on. It can help us to not be ashamed of the gospel. So that led me to another question to ask. What is faith? How do we have it? How do we get it? From my Ryrie study Bible, it shared this note. Faith is a gift that God gives us because he is saving us. That comes from Ephesians 2.8. It is God's grace, not our faith, that saves us. In his mercy, however, when he saves us, he gives us faith. A relationship with his son that helps us become like him, like Jesus. Through the faith he gives us, he carries us from death to life. You see, there's this thought out there that faith is something that we have to do. We have to, we have to earn. We have to kind of develop. And we have to be careful with that kind of mindset because then that becomes an action. We, we have to earn faith. We have to do faith. But that's really not what faith is. Faith, if you go from what Ryrie says, is more of that gift from God. It's a result of the grace that God puts upon us. When God chooses us to be a part of his family, we receive that opportunity to have faith. And then to live out boldly that faith. So that brings us to point number two. Faith is enough. It is all we need to live. Live by faith. So what does that look like? How do we live out our faith? Boy, is it hot in here? No. No. I'm not going to take off my shirt and show you the big red N that's painted on my chest. Okay, you're not going to do that. But I do have something in my shoe. Oh. Got it. It's really easy for us to go out and put on a shirt that represents a sports team. Or to go out and to stand for hours in a a line to watch a movie that's coming out. We have a tendency to idolize actors, actresses, because we get excited about them. We have an opportunity each and every day To share out the love of Christ and this gospel message that has come to us. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, Well, I don't understand this gospel message. I don't understand what this faith is. I don't understand how this all works. Hey, You're not alone. Many of the people in this church at some point and another didn't understand it either. Myself included. I used to think I had it all figured out. I grew up in a church. I thought I understood it. Until God had that moment of time in my life where he said, Troy, you don't. It's not about what you do. It's not about being that good person. It's not about going to church. It's not about helping others. It's not about praying. It's not about tithing. It's not about all these things that people want to make it. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you get that, then you know that you can put on Team Jesus, right? You can walk in this world in a different way than you've ever walked before. You get to represent Christ in this world. That's the awesomeness of when God calls you into his family. You get that opportunity to say, just like Paul did in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That is my hope for each one of you this morning. That when you leave here, you're not ashamed of what God has done in your life. You are not ashamed of the things that we sang about here this morning. You're not ashamed of this. You are ready to go out there in the world and you are ready to put on your shirt, your jersey, and your coat for Team Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you seek and save the lost. We thank you for the grace that you have for us. We thank you that so many years ago you had a conversion of a man named Saul to Paul and you sent him to the Gentiles. You sent him for us to bring that message of Christ. Lord, because in your word it says you sent your son to die for the whole world. Lord, not just a select few. Lord, I'm thankful for this group of individuals this morning that are here. I pray that your word has spoken to them. I pray for any individual this morning who has got a heart that maybe has not opened itself to understanding that gospel message of that relationship with Christ. I pray, Lord, that you are working in that individual's heart right now. Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness to ask somebody that they know has that relationship with you so that they can find out what it means to move forward in faith that they can receive that gift of faith, and so that they too can go out into this world and not be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus on the cross. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word. In your son's name I pray, amen.